Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What a perfect Father's Day it was for Dustin Johnson. Finally, after so many close calls... So many near misses getting his first major championship, and he did it in dramatic fashion. We'll talk about that and so much more right now on Monday Scramble. Lisa Cornwell, Tripp Eisenhower, Will Gray. Of course, we're going to have a long and in-depth discussion on the ruling. What ruling? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> very, we all have, very typical I'm sure we all final have round. Yeah. Um, but let's give the winner his due first and just talk about his performance and not just hitting the shots and making the putts down the stretch, but the resiliency it took with all that going on on the back nine. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was always a matter of when he wins his first major championship, not if he wins one. And, of course, agonizingly close so many times, and it looked like, the way it was going to play out was going to be another DJ, uh, you know, debacle. Um, Outside forces were conspiring against correct. him. Correct. And uh, you know what? He played brilliant all week. He hit better than uh, three-quarters of his greens, 76% of the greens in regulation at Oakmont. He beat the field average by 30 yards off the tee. Uh, dismantling this golf course is what he's capable of doing. Um, the key for me was how his demeanor is always unflappable. But he looked, even in the areas late on Sunday, and I'm speaking around 12 after he was told of the things from 12 to about 14, 15, he looked a little shaky, but he overcame that. You talk about resiliency. Told about what thing? The, <laughs> okay, sorry. And we'll get to that. But um, the other thing, too, is just how great he putted. Uh, hey, he can be pretty yep. iffy from 6 to 10 feet. He was spot on this week at Oakmont. He did miss a couple of them, but for the most part, he was making putt after putt as well. Uh, I think major number two will become quickly behind this one. I tend to agree with that. I think that in the non-Tiger division, if we're talking about uh, incredible accomplishments, he hit 25 straight greens in regulation at a U.S. Open at Oakmont. That is absurd. And it seemed like for a little bit like we were going to have a Chambers Bay replay in that he was playing so much head and shoulders better than the field through the first couple of rounds, but he wasn't converting those putts. He was leading by one or two when he should have led by five or six, perhaps, that you thought eventually Oakmont's going to get you, it's going to bite you, and you're going to come back to the field. And when he did, like you said, Tripp, he had that resiliency. He was able to power through it, and it was the putter that we knew eventually it was going to be the putter that if he's going to win a major, he had to make those putts that he's missed on so many occasions. And it was the up and down out of that bunker on 13. He was the only one all day to get up and down out of that bunker, the clutch par save on 16, and then just the emphatic way he, he played that 18th hole. Well, building on that in two points, the par save on 16 was enormous. What was it, an eight-footer? He made uh, seven, seven eight-footers? Eight yeah, yeah after, after kind of a, a testy chip that ran out unexpectedly. But had it not been, and I keep bringing up the penalty, which we will get to, had it not been for the assessed penalty, only had one bogey 
in his yep. final round. And what was the stat that we got? I didn't keep it because it ended up going away because of the assess penalty that led to a bogey. But it was the first time that a winner only had one bogey in a final round of the U.S. Open since at Tiger Oakmont. at Oakmont. At Oakmont, at Oakmont period, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and, and the fact, the first two rounds he only had one bogey. Thir 36 yeah. holes he only had one bogey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's amazing stuff. And, and uh, again, uh, he, the other thing he did, too, is he joined the list of Tiger Woods, Payne Stewart, Bobby Jones, and Jack Nicklaus as players who had runner-up finishes to the previous year to them winning the U.S. Open. That's a pretty good list that's to be on yeah, when you're on sure. that one. And, and when you talk to any player on the PGA Tour, they talk about his freakish talent. And, and when they play with him, like Jason Day was saying, he was trying to keep up with him when he played with him one day. You know, Thursday, Friday, they were paired together. And he said he kept trying to outdrive DJ, and he was swinging out of his shoes. And he said DJ just looked effortless and was still hitting it 15 by Jason Day. And uh, you go to the 12th hole yesterday after he was told of, I know, we're going to get there. But uh, 328 in the air. Fly. 185 mile an hour ball speed. That's ridiculous. But remember, trip the ball. The ball's okay. not going too long. Oh yeah, that's right. It's not, it's no. not going too. We have studies that show <laughs> that it is it, it, the we the royal. Yeah. Right? I know it's, it's I, all the same. Two thousand three. I know this is online, but you're not allowed to use the word ridiculous ever. You just again. did it. I, I did. We're going to stop down. I think we're. I think we're going to power through it. You can't. You can't. You say ridiculous. No. You just did it twice now. The drive was. I just don't think in in general you should not be allowed to say it. But look, we're okay. getting we're totally Thank getting you. off point. Thank um, you for correcting my I'm lexicon. I'm still the lexicon police. Yeah. <laughs> Still trying to find that stat. I'm going to find it. But anyway, um, just his his sheer ability, too, on this golf course trip. You played Oakmont mm -hmm. in 2007, narrowly missed the cut. So a pretty solid performance. But it's amazing because and I think that it this little cut that he's gone to, he and Claude yep. Harmon have, you know, it, it, he has so much control with 127 mile an hour swing speed with a driver yeah. to be able to hit. Those narrow fairways consistently, the way he did with that kind of just sheer force is well, amazing. Here's the thing that I think is brilliant about this. He, he obviously has a shut face, and Butch Harmon and Claude have never touched that, as they shouldn't. You, you would never do brilliant. that. Yeah. Uh, it's like trying to correct Jack Nicklaus's flying right elbow. Never do that. Um, but shut face players who go left to right, and we're talking marginal left to right. Now, yesterday there were some bigger swings, like the one on 18. He started it right down the left rough and ended up right in the middle. I think but, he wanted to do that, but that Absolutely, yeah. of course. But that's what Ben Hogan always said. He said the straight ball is the toughest thing to hit. Aim down the left side or the right side of the fairway and work it. It widens. You've got a whole 30 yards to work with. Um, shut face players that play fades drive the ball beautifully, and now the DJ's doing that and not going right to left. Uh, again, it's freakish how straight he hits it for as far as he hits it. He is the straightest, longest hitter in the game right now. All right, let's... It's finally time. Let's, oh, talk, let's talk about it and let's bring in Rex Hoggard because he has been on site at Oakmont mm. and not only saw this happen firsthand, but heard all the chatter during it and after. Rex, good morning. Morning. Uh, I'm still not sure what I saw, but I got a shot. <laughs> Was that your phone that went off in the 18th fairway <laughs> yesterday on DJ? Yeah, that, don't tell him DJ, though. He'll get mad. <laughs> okay. Trip tweeted it early. Sorry, yeah. Rex. Uh, just exp give us uh, a synopsis, I guess, of the overall kind of attitude of what was happening yesterday. 
Well, I mean, I was pretty amazed at the reaction first on social media. I mean, to get the reaction that you got from so many players, from so many top players, from Rory and Jordan, all the way down. I mean, and it was immediate, and it was uh, very, very opinionated. I mean, I think everybody was just stunned that first off that the situation even came up on the fifth hole and then he was informed on the 12th hole and then the way it actually played out. I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, of course, we're happy that Dustin was able to finish it off and didn't have to worry about the one-stroke penalty and he won by such a large margin it didn't factor in. But I still think there was a very high level of aggravation from players because I think DJ probably said it best last night. He was asked point blank, if this was a PGA Tour event, do you think he would have gotten the same penalty? And he said probably not. And I think a lot of players would agree with that. I mean, I just don't know in that scenario how I, I, I kind of understand the rule, and I understand there's a preponderance of evidence. That, that quote was thrown around last night, by the way, in the press conference, preponderance of evidence that DJ actually did cause the ball to move, which means, if you're going to put a number on it, that officials thought that there was a 51% chance or greater that he caused it to move. I think when you start getting into areas like that and it has the ability to impact the competition, I don't think anybody was happy with it. Not DJ, not even Shane Lowry, who talked about, you know, having to deal with his own emotions, not really knowing where he was at. Yeah, and look, there's no need for us to dive into the rule. 18-2 is there. It exists. So my issue, and Rex touched on it, of course, it's the delay. That's absurd. And Charlie Reimer, I thought, sent out the best tweet. You know, if, if Peyton Manning was told of something that happened in the third quarter and had to wait until the end of the game, that would just wouldn't even. That yeah, would see, never. The field goal in the first quarter, by the way, may not count. Yeah, we'll, we'll find, let you know. We'll after let the you game. know. So yeah, that was. I thought that was just a, a great tweet. But the fact, and you can go to other sports that have video evidence to review and overturn plays. It has to be 100% without question. And 51%. Uh, it's 51%? Okay. That makes no sense to me. Well, the USGA is a four-letter acronym that caused a lot of players and people <laughs> on the planet to use four-letter words yesterday. There's no question <laughs> about it. Um, and, and it's 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 kind of getting par for the course uh, for this organization. I, I, I'm a little bit, um, you know, the players, uh, Rex, you've heard this, that getting tour players to agree on anything is like herding cats. And the USGA herded a bunch of cats. They yesterday. found a way. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they found, found a way. way. Maybe Commissioner Fincham needs to take some tips from them on how to get players to agree on things. Uh, it's pretty much universal that uh, the the way they handled it. And and Rex, I've gotten rulings on the PGA Tour that were incorrect, and they were given to me by an official on site. And it, I should have gotten a two shot penalty, but the official made the mistake, and there is no overruling that official. The official standing right there with DJ asked him if he said he moved it, and he said no, and he said play it from where it lies. That's the end of the story. There should be no other body that comes in and overrules that on-site referee. Yeah, Rule 34. I, I didn't get that one either, and, it, you know, it was a very tense. It was a, a, a very uncomfortable press conference last night when Jeff Hall and Thomas Pagel from the USGA came in and spoke with the media. It was approaching 11 o'clock when they finally got around to getting in there. It was a busy afternoon. And I don't think we ever got a, a solid answer on that. I don't think we ever got a solid answer on exactly what they saw to get to that 51% or more. Uh, I'm not quite sure where they ended up. Maybe it was somewhere in the 64, 65 category. I don't know. But Some precincts I, still get to report, so we're <laughs> waiting yeah. to hear. We never got a good answer on why when the official ruled 
nothing had happened. I, I, it, my guess is, and, and this was DJ's take, that they clearly saw something after the fact on video that the official who had been walking with them wasn't able to see. He wouldn't afford that opportunity. And so, you know, that that was a little bothersome to me as well. I, I think that the fact that they injected themselves on, you know, on the 12th tee before he teed off and, and told him that there was an issue. I mean, give Dustin just a monsoon of credit that he was pretty much able to put that out of his mind and play away. I don't know of many players with that looming over their head that could have dealt with that. And for a guy that, you know, we had talked in the past about maybe he was too mentally fragile to get it done on a Sunday afternoon in a major for him not only to win that major, but to do it under those circumstances is just completely impressive to me. Yeah, and guys, he it, obviously Dustin Johnson used it as motivation. It sparked something in him. He his ability to to rally around everything that was going on. But what about the other players in the field? You know, all of a sudden, we don't know how it impacted them negatively because everybody kind of started dropping like flies. And it, look, if I'm playing, I mean, still. You try to stay positive and focused on your game, but you can't help but think what's happened to Dustin Johnson in the past and kind of feel for the guy, you know? I mean, here we go, 2010 at straights all over again. That would be well, on my it, mind as a competitor as well. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, it was so – I asked a few players, Jake specifically, uh, Sergio Garcia specifically, you know, when did they learn, what was their reaction? And it, those two players specifically said that, you know, it was late into the back nine when they heard it. And Jason actually said, he goes, I actually just ignore it. You know, I, I really didn't want to know anything about it. I just wanted to go out and play as good as I possibly could. But hey, for the word to go out to everybody on the golf course and how it affected their performance, suddenly you're changing your strategy, you're trying to do the math on the leaderboard. It was really a shame that what should have turned out just to be a wonderful Sunday of golf at a major championship really boiled down to officials on walkie-talkies trying to tell people that he may or may not be four under par right now. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the big problem is that we had a great finish on a great course with a great leaderboard, and it got absolutely hijacked for an hour and a half. And we're into these, you know, what-ifs, and, it, and it's like, well, if you think Dustin Johnson's going to get a penalty, turn to page 138 to complete your story. And it, it's just absolutely unprecedented. I guess you wouldn't think that Dustin Johnson's going to get a major <laughs> any other way, but... You know, Oakmont finally stood up, and it was the test that they had expected. It finally dried out, and you saw some of the, the scores that they really expected to see all throughout the week. Lisa, to your point, with guys fading back, I think it might have been the news, but it also happened to coincide with all the leaders playing holes 12 to 17 when the pins were basically put in the grandstands. I mean, we're talking on every single precipice and ledge on these greens that clearly are stimping, you know, 14, 15 feet. And uh, it's, it's just unfortunate that that the situation was mismanaged at so many different critical junctures. This wasn't one mistake that then wasn't able to be corrected. This was two or three different places where they had a chance to get it back on the rails and they failed. And Exactly. And I think going forward, what Jordan Spieth said in one of his tweets, and I agree with completely, is the fact that DJ still won this by multiple shots. Don't let that absolve this issue and deal with this rule because this rule needs to be changed absolutely. DJ did not cause that ball to move. Him grounding his putter – the Balls were in slight heel prints all week. You're on Poana running 14 on the stint meter with a lot of slope. Almost 15. You're going to have balls move quite a bit, you know, uh, by just setting them down. And they're microscopic. We're in high-def television days where that ball can move a dimple. And sometimes a player may not even see it. But the fact is, grounding your putter next to the ball 
and you take a practice stroke, then no way if you do that and do not touch the ball, you should not incur any penalty whatsoever. USGA definitely needs to write that rule and change it quickly. It's amazing when everybody in the sports world agrees on this. <laughs> I didn't see anybody siding with the USGA, and I'm talking about non-golf people. It was yeah. absolutely amazing to get on social media. Okay, so since we all agree on that, let's move on and see if we can all agree on this. And Rex, I'll pose this question for you first and let you go because I know you're traveling. Uh, the future for Dustin Johnson. So many players, we see them win their first major title. We saw it with Jason Day, and look at him now, world number one. What is the future for Dustin Johnson now that he has gotten over this enormous hurdle? I did a preview story coming into last week's event you know, on Dustin after what happened to him at Chambers Bay. and I really wanted to talk to everyone around him, you know, because we hear about that Teflon exterior that he has and the fact that he didn't let all of those things bother him. He didn't let Chambers Bay or Whistling Straits or Pebble Beach bother him. And as hard as we find that to believe, I, I came away from that story actually kind of believing that, that maybe this guy does have a special gear or a special chromosome that allows him just to compartmentalize and, and move on. But during the course of that story, I was talking with Claude Harmon, who is a swing coach along with Claude's dad, Butch, and he had a great anecdote. It was earlier this year at Doral. Adam Scott had just finished up round. Adam just won at Doral, but he had been paired for a couple of days with Dustin, and Claude was doing an interview for Sky Sports, and after the interview, I'm kind of turned around, and he goes, after playing with Dustin for two days, i got to be honest with you, when he figures it out, we're all going to be playing for second place. And I think there's something to be said for where Dustin suddenly is in the game. And the number that I kept getting when I was writing that story was 33. That's how old Phil was when he won his first major. He was 33. Dustin's not even 32 yet. Just think about the things he can do with the golf ball physically. To think about his ability around the green. He has amazingly soft hands. I think he has a much better short game than maybe he gets credit for. And the fact that now he's done it. And he's not just won that major, but as we pointed out, he, he won it with style points considering everything that was going on, uh, I think he suddenly becomes one of those guys that not only is he, can he win a major, but he can win any major he wants depending on the level of his game that particular week. All right, Rex, we appreciate you joining us and calling in. Safe travels. We look forward to reading all of your brilliant writings on GolfChannel.com. <laughs> right. Thanks, guys. I'll play devil's advocate here on this with DJ. And I, like I yeah, get a little... Back and forth. Listen, uh, we went through this when we're trying to talk about guys who are going to win a major and, and guys certainly that have the talent to win majors. And there are much more, the list is longer of guys that, that have the talent to do it than majors available. There's only four that are given out every year. And now DJ's past this initial threshold, but there are a lot of talented guys that only have one major right now. You look at guys like Adam Scott. Justin Rose, going back to Graham McDowell, they're all guys that when they won that... Jason Day. Jason, well, Jason Day's got a, He's only had two cracks to get number two. But, but I'm talking about guys that have had, you know, 8, 10, 15 shots to get that second major title that everyone saw that first win and they saw it as a springboard, especially, I think, Scott and Justin Rose. And it just hasn't happened yet. That's not to say that it, it couldn't. But, you know, Phil didn't win until he's 33, but Tiger won his last one at 32. And... It can kind of cut both ways depending on, you know, Arnold Palmer is another great example. I think he was 34 when he won his, his last major. So no one really knows how these next few years are going to play out for DJ. I definitely think that he has the talent, and he's probably the most physically talented golfer out there on the tour right now.
But with only four a year, that ball can bounce funny ways even before you get Rule 18-2. Before you react to that, Justin Ray, one of our lead researchers here at Golf Channel, um, put out a tweet yesterday that said, one bogey in the final round for now, and it, which it would have been without the assess penalty, fewest in the final round of the U.S. Open since Tiger Woods in 2000. Do you feel so better? You find your stuff? I do. It took me staff. forever. Yeah, okay. I had to go yeah. to Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, now been, you can react. You've been digging over there Just don't Twitter use ridiculous, please. <laughs> you just used it. Well. Okay, see? No, I oh, didn't okay. use it. Yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> look, if you're standing on the range at a, a tour event and you walk up and down the range, they're all talented. You, you don't have a tour card. Everybody, you know, this was one of the funniest things. You know, they're like, Oh, some schlub won this tournament. Well, if you're a PGA Tour <laughs> member, you're you're a darn good player. Now let's separate that level, the, the you know everybody that's a PGA Tour member to the most talented. Shift it there. Everybody would say there are four or five people that are the most talented physically on the PGA Tour. Certainly, Rory McIlroy. He's extremely physically gifted, and we we know what he can do to a golf course. Uh, Bubba Watson is extremely talented in what he can do with the golf ball. Jason Day's becoming that way as well. The the one that stands head and shoulders above those three DJ. is DJ. Yeah. Yeah. And it, because it's he, what he can shorten a golf course to. And um, Rex says his pitching and chipping um, is better than people say it is. I, I, I agree somewhat with that. But what he's done this year with his wedges, he was not a good wedge player. From 50 to 125 yards, he was not very good. He was very good this week. I mean, you look at the one, the first hole the, that he played at the championship. He drove it to the left. He had to chip it down the hill. He had a little 80-yard shot. He knocks it in there four feet. He used to not do that. Well, it took him a while in, that, in the final round. It took him four or five holes there. I think he had pitching wedge into the green on each of his first five approaches, and it wasn't until number five that he really kind of tucked one in there. But eventually, once he got that going, it, it really steamrolled from there. And, and that's the thing. Where he drives it, now the wedge game, now the confidence, I, I, look, I, DJ, when he's done with his career, how many majors does he have? Three. Okay, see, I give him seven, six, seven. Six, are you, are you kidding I me? I put him there, yeah. You're, you think he's going to eclipse what Phil Mickelson has done? Yes, I do. I, wow. I'm agreeing with Tripp. I think that he's one I'll just of, stand I, out here on my island. He, is, yes. he is just watching him swing. It's mesmerizing. Yeah. I think that he's one of those players who could dominate in any sport. He is just a naturally gifted athlete that you really can't explain. I mean, his position at the top, he oh, yeah. cannot yeah. explain that. And but what he is able to do with the golf ball, and now this new shot, I'm a huge fan of the cut. Yeah. And in major championships, what he is able to do, and look, this is going to open the floodgates for this guy. I agree. And I'll, I'll put this caveat on that. As long as there's no self-immolation. I mean, there's, DJ at times can get in DJ. his own way. I mean, yeah. you know, if he doesn't continue the work that he's done, because he's done a work for DJ to get in this position, I think if he, he's got to continue to do that. He's got to say, okay, I have this success. I've done it. I want to continue this. That's what Jason Day's done. Jason Day works harder than anybody Well, in his I game. think that this will become motivation for him to work even harder. But I will put that asterisk by my six or seven majors. There. I just Six, seven majors, you're talking about he's going to be one of the top ten golfers of all time. And I agree that he is physically talented, and I do not think that he is at that level. Well, we can agree to disagree. One of us is going to be right. Yes, correct. Let's check back in ten years. And yeah, sure. And we'll we'll still be scrambling here every Monday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go big three, and I guess now we're going to have to go big four, big five, but it, they're still the big three. Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy. Um, let's start with Jason Day. Uh, so impressive after that opening round, 76, six over at Oakmont, and to be able to come back and do what he did. Uh, you know, we were in here in this room 
And with five holes to play, we were talking about Jason Day possibly winning this thing. Yeah, he chipped in for eagle on 12, get back to even par, and, you know, that's when all the, the craziness is kind of happening behind him. And you're looking at it, and you're like, ah, I could see him, you know, get a couple more, get in the house, kind of what, what Jim Furyk wasn't able to do in terms of posting two or three under par and making everyone chase it. I think that, that would have been a huge factor if guys looked up at that board with a, with a red two or a red three and an F next to it instead of Furyk getting in at one, but just came up a little short and got undone by the, the big mouth bunker there on 17. Well, yeah, he, he went for the hole, which right. is if you go for that hole out of that bunker, it better have some spin on it or it's going to go past the hole and go where it went. Um, the other thing that I'm really impressed with is, is usually when you're playing a U.S. Open, a place like Oakmont, and you've got to play 36 holes in one day, and you start going south, you shoot a 76, your first round. It is very difficult to come back, back and shoot another good round that same day because, yeah, I could see 76 go home, get some sleep, work on the range that night, you know, after the round and got the next morning to warm up. But you only had about 40 minutes in between round one and round two for Jason Day, and he shot 69. Uh, it looked like a completely different golfer from round number one to round number two. That shows the talent that is Jason Day. And now, you know, I, I think another major championship where he was there close, you could certainly say, uh, last year, minus the vertigo, I mean, you know, you, you look at Jason Day in his game right now, the only weakness is he doesn't hit it quite flag high enough. And that hurts you at Oakmont. He relies on putts outside of 20 feet maybe a little too much. At Oakmont, you cannot do that. That is the and, – and I'm nitpicking here. Oh, yeah, Mind we're splitting you, I, I'm splitting hairs. But if he gets to start hitting the ball flag high like a Zach Johnson does a little bit more and his proximity numbers go up – it's he and DJ, <laughs> you know, kind of standing, standing above everyone else. Surprised, excuse me, by the performance. I, this is my Monday issue, I guess. Not enough you coffee. Said <laughs> That's why. Um, Jordan Spieth, the defending champ, definitely not the performance that he had hoped to have, or I think that any of us had expected from him this week. I don't know. What were your expectations for Jordan? I, I think that I always thought that Oakmont was going to be a high variance layout, and I think that proved the case with with Spee specifically, I don't think there was anything really that there was a huge warning sign for him. It was just everything was a little bit off. He's not making the 25, 30-footers that we've seen him make so many times before to rally into contention. Those irons that have been starting to spray over the, the last couple of, of starts continue to do so. He's missing some greens. And he doesn't have the overpowering length of a DJ or a Jason Day where he can cut a 665-yard par 5 into two pieces. So... Uh, at that point, he's playing to a little bit of a disadvantage, and I think the short game magic just wasn't there this week. Yeah, well, you can't rely on just the short game at Oakmont. It, it, they're too difficult to chips to hit. Nobody can really hit them close on a continuous basis, uh, even Jordan Spieth or Jason Day, for that matter. Um, he had to drive the ball in the fairway. He, he does. DJ could stray a little bit because he's uh, 30 yards past where Jordan is. Um, he didn't hit it in the fairway, number one. Number two, the irons, other than the Tournament of Champions this year, each and every week his iron game is not where it was last year. It's a little bit off. It's not way off. It's just a small little thing that's off. It caught up with him at the Masters on the 12th hole on Sunday. Um, it tried to catch up with him at Colonial, and uh, he, he was able <laughs> to overcome it with him. fantastic short game, short game and that saved him there. Um, but he only hit half his greens at, at Oakmont through thir uh, 72 holes. I mean, that's get... Well, statistically, in a U.S. Open, that doesn't work. We talked about going back to 1996. Yeah. Every winner has finished inside the top 20 in greens and regulation. Okay, right. let's move on to Rory McIlroy because at least those two players, Spieth and Day, made it to the weekend. Rory oh. was on a plane. Yeah, Rory's issue is the driver. I mean, as Rory goes with the driver, and, well, certainly the putter, too. 
But his issue at the Masters was the driver on Saturday uh, with 77 when he shot that with right in contention. Um, his issue this week was the driver. He needed to make a par to make the cut on the ninth hole. He drove it in the bunker to the right, and he wasn't able to get on the green from there. It, it's been the driver with Rory McIlroy. When it's on, he does things like he did in Ireland, just fantastic golf. And uh, the putter is never going to be uh, the best in the world, but it's, he just needs to be better than average on the greens. He was in that early wave on Thursday, and I, I feel like he let the start and stop nature of that round affect him more than maybe some of the other guys did. I really thought that that was a 73 or 74 that he turned into a 77 and kind of let a few strokes bleed out at the end. And then it was even more frustrating to see him come back on Friday morning or Saturday morning, uh, whatever, whatever it was, he played his second round, and he's four under through seven holes. He's lighting the place on fire, and it's like the, everything clicked, and, and it's good Rory, and you can see how high the ceiling is even at this difficult course for him when everything's going and then a four putt, he misses a couple putts from three feet, puts it in the bunker on nine when he needs to par to make the cut, and it all, it all unravels. But I think that the further we get away from congressional and that eight-shot romp and the soft conditions uh, for his U.S. Open title, the more I'm starting to think that this might not be the best-suited major for his game. What about Phil Mickelson? Speaking of not the best-suited major, possibly, this is the only major that he needs to complete the career grand slam. Is the time finished for Phil? No, it's not finished. It's not finished. It's just getting highly unlikely. I mean, the odds are starting to slim down to, I wouldn't say zero, but... uh, You're you're at the point where if he wins the U.S. Open, it will be basically unprecedented. You know, Julius Boros won... The PGA at 48, he's now going to be pa- he's past where Jack was yeah. when he won the 86 Masters. So, yeah, I guess if Phil Phil's one of the guys that could pull off an unprecedented feat in the majors, but you're really far out there on the bell curve. I, I agree. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm tending to agree more to your side. I'm just saying it is Phil Mickelson. You got to leave the door open. He's capable yeah. of doing amazing things, and he's capable of. I think he's capable of uh, winning clearly on the PGA Tour for the next four or five years. A major championship. If you're going to pick one more that he would win, it would be like a Masters where he just plays beautifully. But he, if you look at the the upcoming uh, ones, I say either Pebble or Shinnecock, and then after that, I don't, I, you know, I don't think Phil. Um, I mean, he'll be 50 for Wingfoot yeah, in 2020. Yeah, and that's you certainly. I'm just I'm a little concerned because this is now his third time facing the U.S. Open, knowing that it's for the career Grand Slam, and he hasn't been able to even really get himself in the mix. He had nine good holes this week at Oakmont where he thought he, he might get it going, and it really unraveled quickly. But I still think we're going to look back at Marion when he holds that shot at 10, and that's, that was the last yeah. best chance. Mm-hmm. All right. The next major is the Open Championship. We'll move on to that uh, being staged at Troon. So as we look ahead to that and we think about the Open Qualifying Series still continuing, some early favorites, guys. Who's Dustin on your radar? <laughs> Sorry, I thought start with DJ. Who needs that? recency bias? He can just, just give him every trophy. If he's going to get the seven. Plenty of tune-ups to get yeah. ready for all of this. Tripp says course. he's going to get seven majors before <laughs> Christmas 2018. <laughs> here. You never know. He might get his work done early. Yeah. Um, I, I, obviously, you've, you've got to go with the big three. Uh, I, I think the, the holes in Jordan's game, uh, he's just that little bit off that he, he can have a week where everything – gets back to where it was, and uh, you certainly look at – I tell you a guy that, that I like a, a lot that not a lot of people are looking at is Danny Willett. 
I think Danny Willett at, at an open championship, in particular Troon, I think uh, you know he's got uh, he's got the, the skills and the tool set now to have a multiple major season. He just doesn't win. he just doesn't have the putter that he won the Masters with anymore. He no, happened no. to have a little separation there from I, I, Chef. Yeah, <laughs> that's happened to Lisa a couple of times. Let's not even go yeah. on that subject. I'm running uh, this show here. Who do you like? Uh, I'm running I this show here. Yeah, see, well, no, we're we're moving yeah. on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm. I've got my eye on, on Rory. I don't know if he's the guy that I like, but I, I think that he's going to be a focal point because, remember, he would have defended last year, missed because of injury, so right. he hasn't gotten a chance mm -hmm. to tee it up as an Open champion, even though he missed his title defense. But now it's going to be two years almost since his last major, since he won the Open and the PGA in 2014. That's not a long time, but it sure seems like a long time based on the great things that Spieth and Day and now Dustin Johnson have achieved. And it, it, you've got to think that there's going to be a little bit of pressure starting to build on Rory to step up and contend once again in one of these majors. Okay, before we say goodbye, I'm going to let you guys, and we all can, go our own direction, whatever you want to talk, whether it's Garcia and Westwood kind of blowing things at the end, especially Lee Westwood. That was disappointing for him. Shay Lowry missing so many key short putts down the stretch to really, he said it, when he missed that one at 17, he knew it was over. Shane Lowry saving all of his made putts for the Ryder Cup <laughs> when he and Danny Willett will just drum the ever-loving crap out of the Americans. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Because, see, know. I'm going, I think the Americans win this one this year. I do. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, so, I, if, is, is it okay to take the talking stick now? If it's okay with Trip. Take the talking okay. stick. Uh, this closer? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting, out, uh, putting out the APB for Ricky Fowler. Where, where, oh, where is young Ricky Fowler? Mm -hmm. Miscut at the Masters, miscut at the Players, miscut now at the U.S. Open. He and Phil are actually the only two players in the top 50 in the world ranking to miss all three of those cuts in the three biggest events so far this year. We saw him come out, have such a great year last year. He wins in Abu Dhabi. I still think that that playoff loss to Hideki Matsuyama in Phoenix stung a little no. bit. You think he has a hangover from that? Well, I think it's, I think it's stung. No, he didn't. He hasn't won since. And the one, the, the one chance that he played well, he had a 54-hole lead in Charlotte and shot a 74 on Sunday. So it's, we're now at the point where there's two or three months that he's, he's kind of in a rut, and this is not the time that you need to be trying to find yourself or find your game. There is so much important golf to be played in the next 100 days. Uh, he, needs, he has the ability to turn it around, but he needs to do it quick. Uh, I'm going to give uh, props to Jim Furyk. Uh, a guy who had surgery who I was like, okay, well, this is it for Jim Fury. He's not going to be on the Ryder Cup team. A big step was made on Sunday, uh, that great round that he had. Um, the type of golf that he can play in major championships, um, he doesn't have power, but, man, he's got precision. He's got uh, – uh, what I like about what he's saying is he says, you know, I'm not allowed to – I can't hit a lot of balls with my wrist. Wrist is fine, but I'm not allowed to hit a lot of balls. Now – Everybody will say Jim Furyk in the Ryder Cup, he has a huge losing record. His record's not good in the Ryder Cup. But no American's record's good in the Ryder Cup. Uh, but anybody's playing on Ryder Cups after 1990 does not going to have a good Ryder Cup record. But uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic partner because you know he's going to put the ball in play in a Ryder Cup. And he, he's unflappable, you know, and he putts better than a lot of people think. Um, he doesn't want to be a vice captain. And let's see what happens if he's in that uh, top 12, if Davis Love, you know, goes with the pick or not, I certainly would pick him. But uh, he doesn't want to be a, play, a non-playing vice captain. He'd love to be a playing vice captain. I'm going Sergio. I think that uh, I think Lee Westwood, this one's really going to haunt him, as many things have in his career. But I think that 
I don't see Lee Westwood ever getting over that hurdle. I think Sergio, I still think Sergio is going to win a major championship. You do? I do. I think that his mental frame of mind is so much better than it used to be. And one of the best iron players the game has ever seen. And I just, I do not see him ending his career without a major championship. I know it sounds crazy. I know he's folded down the stretch time after time after time, but he's also put himself in position time after time after time. And eventually, Hey, you if it could happen for Dustin hurdle. Johnson, I wouldn't count Sergio out. But again, if DJ's going to win six majors in the next few years, that doesn't leave many for the rest of the field, including <laughs> Sergio Garcia. On, he? You just keep throwing. Oof, you keep man. throwing I love it. Fire. I mean, yeah. bring it. To, hey. Will you join us on Central tonight? Oh, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who harass trip, I'm in. I'll pay your salary for it. Perfect. Is that it? You guys get it? You, did you get in everything you wanted to? I did, except right. I didn't call you flat stick. Oh, well, yeah. you just did. No way. And on that note, we'll say goodbye. Thanks a lot for joining us on this Monday Scramble podcast. We'll see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.